love, kindness, human connection. These are some of the things we talk about on the Danny Painter Show. It's a thing. This show is intended for a more mature audience. We might sometimes say bad words. How are you today? Oh, I am so good. It's so good to see you. And you, how have you been? How have your last few days been? How was your weekend? Oh my goodness. It was, first of all, um, okay, I just realized where I am this morning when I woke up. I was like, wait a minute, okay, I'm back in Joburg because (laughs) I was in East London (laughs) and then we drove down the coast to PE. It was so beautiful. Yeah. Like, I, it reminded me of uh, it was similar, but not, but it was similar to driving down Pacific Coast Highway on the West Coast of America from like Portland down to California. Oh, wow. And it, I mean, it was gorgeous. Like it was, it was a beautiful ride yesterday. Very tranquil. And I'm, I'm just going to turn up the volume and it was delightful. So that was great. The auditions in East London were phenomenal. Um, I gave a sneak, I did a sneak preview of one of my new songs that's not finished yet. Okay. <laughs> it's not finished yet, but it was great to kind of get a a live audience feedback, which was awesome. And I was able to do that. And it was in a lot of amazing talent. Then yesterday I worked, um, I produced a song along. With, I had a co-producer, actually someone that actually went through the program that I that we judge the LCB does in National Talent Showcase. Yeah. So it was an artist, and it was another artist who became a producer that ended up signing to Sony Music in the uh, South Africa as okay. a writer. All of these people came out of LCB's thing, and I was able to use him as a co-producer and his facility down at PE and the the young girl, her name was Gabby. Oh, full circle. She's 14. She heard one of my um, workshops maybe a couple of years ago. And this little girl has truly just turned into just like a powerhouse. South Africa will know her name. She is a little star. So I was able to produce a song on her yesterday. I'm going to take it home. The song is going to, I'm from, you know, from the States. But this song will have an international appeal because I'm going to take the song. It's going to be mixed and mastered in Germany. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Now, I'm not going to Germany, but I'll just send the files to Germany. <laughs> yeah. and, right. And a mix and master engineer there will do it. So it's awesome. I'm so thankful to be here. And I had a great sleep last night. Good. And probably the best sleep that I've had since I've been here. Oh, really? Yeah, because of jet lag. And now I have to go back to the States. And I know the jet lag is going to crush me on the way back. (laughs) Um, When are you leaving, Nate? I leave today. You don't leave today. 
Yes. Wow. I know. Okay. I leave today. Yes, I'm. I'll be. Yeah, I'll be back in. I'm coming back for Cape Town, um, third week of August, and then I'll be back third week of September for Showcase. You like jet lag? I feel like I feel like it's it's like, <laughs> you, like jet lag is your your energy, <laughs> right? You know, I, I just feel like even though I am mentally ex- like physically mentally exhausted, right? However, it's just the aspect, you know, the prospect of being able to talk to and meet so many different people that I just, I just, you just gotta rise above it, and then you know you feed off the energy of like amazing people such as yourself yeah. you know so and we just and then it's just conversation yeah you know you're just kind of talking and then after we finish talking i'll just go to sleep <laughs> okay so this is just about you um i want to talk a little bit about you your history where you come That's from perfect. some things that you've overcome um i want someone to be inspired i by love this. that so yes i we don't really have an intro, so we've kind of started already. <laughs> but yep. um, no worries. On a Zoom with me is an incredible human being, a human being that I met last week, actually, on, a, on another Zoom. And we hit it off, and I haven't stopped thinking about him and his story and his life. I don't know how to introduce Nate Butler because there are so many titles from producer to singer to X Factor uh, producer, casting producer, to just good human being i think is what we're gonna go with nate butler thank you for coming back on a zoom with me yes of course of course i'm so you know i've talked about you so many times like (laughs) i I just feel like you are my sister from another mister same i was talking about you all weekend because we were talking about the week the the week that we'd had and who we'd seen and what we'd done and i was just like i met these amazing humans when i completely didn't know what to expect i had no plans of meeting great people and i was like the synergy is just unbelievable like all of the things we spoke about in that interview i had spoken about the yes and it was just like the universe coming to me and going we needed you to meet Nate Butler, you know? Yes. 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 And, and, and likely, you know, and not, not likely. And likewise, like, I just kind of feel like right now people with the same ideas, motives, energy, vibe, all of that, we are becoming allies around the world to lock hands for sure. And to honestly, to change it in how I like to say it, one relationship at a time. Mm-hmm. We can literally change our circumstances. We could change political things, environmental things. We could change it one relationship at a time. One, one relationship at a time. Yeah. And the way I feel it's like you and I now have met, right? So now your circle has kind of interlocked with my circle, right? Yeah. And so now that's opened you up to a whole new world of relationships of people that think the same. Yes. And you as well. So it just grows and grows and grows. Exactly. And so I'm kind of like, hey, we may not be where we all want to be right now. Yeah. But what I've realized is that sometimes when we pray 
or we ask for our circumstances to change, the circumstances don't change, but what changes is our circle. This is okay. So yesterday, before we get into your introduction, I just have to tell you a little story. Yesterday, Please. I um I smudged my house. I'm setting up new manners, like energy. I'm manifesting. Yep. I'm setting up my my path for the next couple of months for the year. So I smudged. Yep. I got my crystals ready. I cleansed everything, and I sat down and I started to research a certain crystal. And this crystal is an amplifier. And a lot of people mm-hmm. were saying, "Don't get this crystal. This crystal will ruin your life." And mm-hmm. I realized that we always have the power, whether it's with a crystal or a relationship or a job, whatever it is, we always have the power. Anything that we feel is always amplified. Anything that we yep. think is always amplified. So if you're leaning to the negative of, Life is stuck. We're in lockdown. I don't know. Like all of the things that we definitely as humans tend towards, those feelings will be amplified. But if you surround yourself with people that are on your energy and also are working high in a higher frequency, you're going to amplify that frequency. And so I think Mm. yesterday I realized the importance of connection and yep. my mom was always right when she said, be careful because you are what you hang with. I'm telling you, it, it's the, you, check this out. You only can go as far to me as your highest relationship. Yes. Yes. Meaning if you can't visualize, like me, I don't like to be the smartest person in the room. Mm, no. I don't I'm, like it. Yeah. I want to learn. And quite honestly, we as as humans, um, we only can kind of go after what we see and what we visualize. Mm-hmm. Right. So once we let's say you have somebody right now, they may be listening to this in a township in the formal settlement. Right. They may be listening to this because you're everywhere. Right. Yeah. So. They're see they're hearing you and there's a little girl right now. She's listening to you. And she's like, one day I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the thing. If she never heard you and she never saw you, she would never be able to visualize and see what she could be. Right. So the thing is, though, is that how I look at it, like I never want to be the smartest person in the room because I need to see what I can be so I can go after it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love you, know, you Nate and- Butler. I love you, Nate Butler. Don't ever leave South <laughs> Africa. <laughs> I'm not. I'm here, guys. I'm just going away for a short period of time just to go home and get some clean underwear. And I'm coming back. Uh, because we don't have, have washing machines here. <laughs> well, this, but, you know, I wear some special type of undies, you know. Just, you know, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. I completely get that because someone is posting pictures of himself with, like, Justin Timberlake on his Instagram. So, how... I, you must be wearing special kind of underwear. But um, how would you introduce yourself? Because I obviously struggle to introduce you. What do you do? Can I tell you, I l- legit, when I talk to people, I legit get, uh, you know, this is, this is a bit, this is going to be a bit like a drama extra, right? But I, have, I get legit like, 
anxious because I don't know how to explain, you know, what it is that I do. But what I can do is I, what I'd like to say is this. I like to say that um, pioneer mm. and of relationships and a cultural architect innovator. And these are things that I name myself. These are things that people have tried to say for me as I'm about to tell you all the things that I've kind of been a part of and I still kind of do. So I start off writing songs as a songwriter and a producer. Um, that is just a very amazing story. How that, how I kind of got entered into the business, which I'm pretty sure we will get into. So um, I've written songs. I've been on over 45 plus million songs sold worldwide that I've either written or produced. Wow. I have. <laughs> I've written for everyone from the Backstreet Boys to Luther Vandross to Victoria Beckham to all my UK people out there. I've done. I've worked with Craig David, Sugar Babes, um, S Club Seven. Um, to all of my K-pop people, I've worked with Boa before K-pop was a massive thing. I've worked with Boa, who was basically the Britney Spears, Janet Jackson of K-pop. So I've worked on Boa. Um, to all my people here in Africa, I love you. I've worked with Tiwa Savage. And to all of my people holding it down um, in Canada, I've worked with Justin Bieber. And to everyone here the, listening from America, from stateside, gosh, I've had songs and movies, Four Brothers, um, Barber, Barbershop 2, Dr. Doolittle 2, um, Save the Last Dance. Um, then I've written, and I've written a lot of so many other songs I've kind of forgotten. However, <laughs> once another door opened up for me, and then when that door opened up for me, I uh, became the casting director, well, casting producer for X Factor. And then after that, America's Got Talent, season nine and season 10. And then after that, Showtime at the Apollo with Steve Harvey. And I know you guys know Steve Harvey because he brought the family feud okay. here. Mm -hmm. So give it up to the big mustache. So we have um, Steve Harvey. Then after that, there was a show on in America called The Four. That was with P. Diddy, Megan Trainer, and DJ Khaled. You know, I always got to say another one. And then <laughs> I did a, a show on Netflix, which is a karaoke show called Just Sing, and which I believe it was they, it was filmed in the UK but shown everywhere. And then not to and then after say all of that. I also work for a humanitarian organization called World Vision, and we are basic. We are the number two uh, humanitarian organization in the world. Uh, we're in a hundred different countries, forty thousand employees, and I am an ambassador, a sponsor, and I have gone to all sorts of countries to end the the root of poverty by education and teaching others to empowering people to actually make it a living for themselves not mm. to give them a fish but to teach them how to fish but sometimes in teaching people how to fish you have to give them fish mm -hmm. yes. so it is a step-by-step -step process or well, as my good friend here likes to say process so <laughs> drag our <laughs> accents in south african ned butler drag our accents <laughs> but um so Okay, and you are in South Africa now because you're working with um, uh, Elsie Ferlinden. How do I say her surname? Yes, 
Yes. From London. From 33andMe. And you guys are doing a international talent search. Yes. Which exactly. Which... Sorry, go. <laughs> oh, sorry. You know, I want you to finish so I can answer correctly. No, no, no. So I was going to say, we'll get into that. But before mm-hmm. we get into anything, I want to know about little Nate. I want to know about what drove you to be the human that you are today, where you come from, who you are inherently within you. Um, and, and, yes. and maybe like how, what were those first steps into this, into this crazy world? Wow. Well, I'm going to tell you when you meet me, Actually, if you were to meet my parents, <laughs> then you would actually say, okay, he got what he is, like, legitimate. Like, my parents are just as vibrant, just as, you know, my dad and mom are extremely funny people. But I grew up, so my dad is a pastor. My granddad is a pastor. So I grew up in a family full of preachers and pastors and ministers of music and all of the like literally all the all of the above and so as a kid only thing i knew was you know going to church singing in the choir and just being around that atmosphere right and i believe it or not i wasn't able it's this is funny i wasn't even able to listen to all those artists that i named like when i grew up as a kid I wouldn't have been able to listen yeah. to them because I wasn't able to listen to any other music besides gospel until I was like 11 or 12. <laughs> wow. Right. Wow. Okay. To like 11 or 12. And so super strict, so strict, super, like very super. Strict. Well, it was funny. They were really only strict when it came to music, which is like it, like with music, they were just, they were really very careful what they wanted me to listen to. So, but by the time I got to 12 or 13, that's when it was just like, okay, you can listen to whatever you want to listen to now. So imagine me being 13 years old and like the first song I listened to was, I think it was, it just happened to come on the radio, like an oldie station or whatever, but it was girls just want to have fun Uh, by Cindy Lauper. Yes. Love. That's my karaoke song. Yes. (laughs) Oh, it, I would. I thought it was the. Now the thing about it is that song was a was a hit around the world. Number one hit around the world. Great. She's a great artist. But that was the first song I heard, and I thought it was the best best song on the face of the earth. And it was a little old. Now, mind you, I didn't go to a. And it wasn't that old. Maybe about two years old. Two years older from when I heard it. So I went to school the next day, and I started singing this song. Girls just want to have fun, and people were looking at me like. It's a good song, but Nate is a little old, you know, because I just wanted to fit in so bad because for the first time I was able to listen to what everybody else was listening to. And it's amazing because once, even though I wasn't able to listen to that type of music, I was still able to see musicians Mm. at a high level because I was still able to listen to other types of music. So I remember sitting my parents down as a young kid and was like, hey, I want to drop out of school. I want to be a full time musician, entertainer, a whole nine. And they were like, are you crazy? Wow. <laughs> and I was like, no, this is, I was like, no, this is what I want to do. 
And they were like, no, 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 no. Now, what I wish they would have done is I wish they would have said, hey, you know what? Finish school. We'll, but we'll also put you, we'll set you up for success by getting you trained, mm. doing other things like that as you're getting your formal education. Yeah. Now, let me tell you, every young kid right now that's listening, hear this. Let's let the room get quiet. Hear this. All right. A lot of times it's not that your parents don't believe in you. All right. This is important. This is what I learned later on. It's not that they don't believe in you. What it truly is, is that your parents, they don't have a frame of reference to anyone that they've seen in their life or in their sphere that has been a success at what you want to do. So they've seen the barber. They've seen the hairstylist. They've seen the dentist. They've seen the doctor. They've seen the accountant. They've seen all of these people because they interact with these people every day. But the moment you say you want to be an actor, a singer, a model, they're like, wait a minute, you can't do that. And they only say that because they've never seen somebody that's been successful around them. The only thing they hear are the horror stories. So they're really just trying to say, in their while, in their way of, I love you too much. Yep. Mm. For you to go in an industry that you may fail. But if they had seen it, just like they've seen a lawyer, just like they've seen a doctor, they're like, oh yeah, you can do that. You can do that. I know someone in our family that's done that. Yeah. So it's not as if that they aren't for you. They just haven't seen anybody be successful in that. So guys, kids, give your parents grace. They're just trying to protect you. But you know what? As I got older, now people in my family have seen me do what I've done. And guess what? My, my little cousin, who's about 10 years younger than me, she now is an executive at Netflix oh, because wow. she saw me. Mm. Man, that's but so good. Also you, I, touched, I to... you just touched on something so incredible there. It's not necessarily that this industry means a singer, a songwriter, a dancer, and a, a TV presenter. You can also be an executive at Netflix. You can also be an yes. executive at Spotify. You can also yes. be a record label executive and work in a exactly. and all of these exciting things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be in front of the camera, but also exactly. I, my parents also um, have been in the industry their whole lives. And so I was mm. very blessed that I went to an art school. Yep. I have been in this industry for 30 years this year. And when I wow. went to my mom and I said, I would like to drop out because this is not working because working and yes. school is not working. My mom went, okay, cool. Let's do it. But mm. there was yep. a lull period in my career of about four years. Yes. And I can tell yes. you now, I wish I had studied something else because when no one wants to buy your voice or employ <laughs> a has-been actor, kids TV pre presenter, um, you have nothing to fall back on. And that was the one thing exactly. my Jewish grandfather used to say. It's all fair and well to leave school and do this now. 
But what happens in 10, 15 years when you're too old for the camera? Because he was of that, that mindset, right? Right, of and course. I used, and, and in that period, I thought, I should have. I should have studied something. Right. I should have stayed in school. I should have gotten something that could have been my plan B. You know? Exactly. I do. I do. And, you know, I tell people all the time, look, guys, you don't have to be a struggling artist. You can actually get a job. Yeah. Like, so, so basically when I went, when I went off to college, right. Um, this is a pretty unique story. So I'm 17 years old. I graduate from high school and I get accepted into a college in Atlanta, Georgia, where I go now. So where I live now and my first now I barely got into this college. It it was just, it literally, (laughs) I barely got into this college. Right. And it's a great college, you know, very competitive, barely got in. And when I get there, the college told me this, the only way you can go. So when I imagine being a senior in high school, you're 17 years old, you just walk across the stage, you get your diploma that summer, all of your friends are having a good time. They're all partying because they're all going to go to college in three months, right? Well, this college told me, if you want to come to this school, you have to come to school early. Right, because they were like, we're going to put you basically on a probation to see (laughs) if you can handle it. So I had, so my, so before my freshman year, I had to go to college for three months to prove to the college that I could stay there. So all my friends are in Maryland. They're having a good time. I'm in college, 17 years old, come to Atlanta, Georgia. My good friend, my big brother at the time, his name was Paul Debman. He actually played professional basketball for a little bit of time for the, for the team there in the NBA. Cause I used to play basketball. Right. So, he drives me down to Atlanta. He takes me that morning to go work out with some of the, basically the, 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 the basketball team there. So we, I work out with the team, get to meet these guys, another incredible moment. But then later on that day, he says, Nate, I'm going to take you someplace tonight. And I'm like, okay, great. Go back to the dorm room meeting all the, all the guys, we all hit it off because it was an all guy school. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of other guys there like me, we hit it off. We're talking. So later on, my big brother comes to pick me up. He picks me up, takes me in his car. We go about 20, 30 minutes away. Then we end up on this long windy road and it ends up in front of this big mansion with this huge gate or in front of the gate with these big iron letters, BBB. He calls to the call box. He was like, Paul, and opens up gates like this. We go up, we go up this driveway. We get up to the driveway at the very top is, um, I will never forget this. It was an older Mercedes, but also a Bentley. This is in the nineties. We go to the front door and I'm like, whose house is this? This is crazy. I don't know who houses could be. Knock on the door. A young lady opens the door. The lady looks familiar, but I'm kind of like, I think I know her, but I kind of, I didn't think I knew her, right? They embrace each other, give each other a kiss. We, I walk in and I'm like, man, this house is crazy. I'm seeing American Music Awards. I see MTV Awards. 
I see Soul Train Awards. I'm seeing it all. And I look to the left of me and there was this huge painting, but it was made out of carpet, like 3D carpet of this guy's face. I was in Bobby Brown's house. (laughs) Wow. Don't be cruel. My prerogative. Like I was in Bobby Brown's house and I'm looking there and the girl was his sister. My friend was dating his sister. And this is, yes. And this is what he told me. He said, Nate, I needed you to see this. I knew what your parents had said, but I needed you to see this. And from that moment on, because I saw it, I was in the atmosphere. I was like, I can be this. See, sometimes we just need to be around something. We need to just see something that we can say, I can be this. And for whoever's listening right now, this is your Bobby Brown moment because it is possible. You can see it. You're talking about a kid who barely made it into college. Now, some of you may not have a chance to go there, but there's a lot of just barelys in my life. And I know there's a lot of just barelys in your life, even if it isn't just this. But for me, I was able to see it. And then I started my journey. And then the next day, the next day I go back to college. I meet all the guys. We're laughing and joking. My friend calls me the next day. He says, Nate, we're going to go to a concert, go to the concert, go backstage. I meet Bobby Brown now. Mm-hmm. Meet Bobby, you know, had no idea that was going to happen. Saw him. He was like, man, bro, man. He was like, you look like, you know, you look like an entertainer. Cause I looked the part, right? You got to make sure you look the part. You oh, look oh, like, yeah. you know, you're doing something, you know what I mean? And so then he takes me to, he says, okay, man, meet me at my studio tomorrow. So that was, that was Saturday night. So the studio would have been on Sunday. Go back to, to college. <laughs> I tell all the college guys there, listen, guys, you'll probably, I know I've only been here for three days, but you'll, you're never going to see me again because I'm about to sign a record deal. And, <laughs> <laughs> and listen, l- let me just sign the autographs now. Yeah, because this is it. I'm out. Bye. So I asked my friend, can you take me to the studio? He says, Nate, I can't take you to the studio. We got an away game. On a Sunday, the buses didn't run regularly. So I had to take a bus to the train station, wait for the train, take two buses to the studio. This whole ordeal took about two hours to get there. Wow. Because of the train and the bus like timings on a Sunday. Walked down the road, got to the studio, Waited for 15 minutes, waited for 20 minutes, waited for 45 minutes. 45 minutes turned into two hours. Nobody's there. A car pulls up and I'm like, okay, this don't look like the car I saw in the driveway. It was his engineer. His engineer says, um, hey, you looking for Bobby? And I was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, is, is he coming? He was like, oh, no, he had to leave last night after the show. I was like, wait, what? He said, yeah, he does this all the time. <sighs> and it was like, he means well, but he does this all the time. Now, that was my first no. Actually, my first no of my parents. 
second note was this. Wow. And now at this moment, I am my first real taste of what the industry could look like. That was my first, that's kind of what started shaping me. And so I'm like, now I'm thinking about, man, what am I going to do? So it started to rain. So I, I, I was like, man, so I'm thinking that he was like, man, can I take you someplace? And I said, yeah, could you take me to school? He was like, oh, no, no, no. I can take you to the bus stop. He took me to the bus stop. Went there, took another bus, got back on the subway to another bus, right back to college mm. where all the guys were there saying, how was your, did you sign your deal? First taste of true being humbled. Yeah. And I said, you know, I still want this kind of safe face. I was like, well, you know, things like this take time, you know. Uh, it just <laughs> and for me in that moment, I had a choice. I had a choice. And I chose to pursue instead of retreat. Because a lot of people in that time would say, oh, I'm not built out for this. I was like, no. I was like, like, I was like, I have felt sadness before. And then I have experienced joy afterwards. I was like, I have experienced anger. And I have, you know, felt happiness afterwards. So I was like, I'm not going to let my emotions dictate my future. And I was like, I will pursue. And you know what happened over the next four years, I just started going to all the places where stars and celebrities were in Atlanta. So <laughs> I ended up, I met LL Cool J. Now check this out. He promised me a deal that didn't work out. Arrested Development. They promised me a deal. That didn't work out. Keith Sweat promised me a deal. That didn't work out. All of these people had made these promises to me and not because they're bad people. It's because they're busy people. They're good people, but they have busy agendas. And sometimes out of the goodness of their heart, they want to help you. They want to give you these things. But I had to give grace to them. So what ends up happening is after four years, I get my degree. And now basically what you talked about I had something to fall back on, but my heart was tied to the music business. So I did two years of not doing anything. I worked at, I worked at a daycare. I worked at the hard rock <laughs> cafe. That's what I did. And then one day, one of my friends, he calls me. He actually, well, actually I'll take that back. So rewind one of somebody that I went to school with, they ended up signing, they ended up starting a record label that Tori Kelly was ended up signing to. I signed right when I was on my way to go sign that, to sign that deal. I got in a car accident, a car ran through a stop sign and pinned my car up against a tree. Literally. There was a piece of steel that went through the door within two inches of my, of my ribs my head hit the steering wheel. I fell out. I was out for what I understand for about seven minutes. When I woke up, I heard people saying, oh my goodness, he's dead. He's dead. And I woke up like, 
who's dead? Who's dead? <laughs> so I'm thinking, so, so I'm thinking I had hit someone, but somebody had hit me, wrecked my car. And from that moment, I took that, I took that as a sign. Like, you know what? Maybe I just need to kind of calm down for a second. Mm, mm-hmm. I didn't sign that deal. Waited for about a year and a half. And I just was like, you know, let me just settle down. Let me get my inside right. Let me understand why I'm doing this. I'm not doing this for Nate. I'm doing this for somebody else. So anything that I do is for somebody else. My intentions at first was wrong. My intentions was like, oh, I just want to get on the stage, take off my shirt. Ladies, ladies, that's what I wanted to do. And not saying that's a bad thing, but I didn't want, my goal wasn't intention was to help other people. So a year and a half later, Another friend calls me and says, hey, Nate, I want to introduce you to somebody. He was like, Nate, you're the only person I knew in school that could write songs. He was, And I was like, wait, I don't write songs. So I don't know what he, where he got that from. He's like, but so there's this big producer whose writing partner just left him. And I, Nate, I've been telling him about you. Now, this is crazy because I'm like, how do you, like, how do you? And so anyway... I go to the studio, this guy's writing partner, who he, who they split, he went on to write Umbrella for Rihanna. (laughs) No pressure. Right. No pressure. No pressure. So now I'm in this room. This guy says, man, you know, Julian has talked about you. He says that he remembers when you guys were in school, you were this artist and da, 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 da. You can write. Now, he was like, you can write, right? You can write songs, right? And I, in my mind, I was like, okay, Nate, you write songs in the shower when you sing the wrong lyrics to same songs. Thing. So same thing. Yeah. Same, that's same thing. Yeah. <laughs> but what ended up happening was during that period of time, I had stopped becoming a fan of music and I became a student of music. So I began to figure out all these different types of avenues so I, I knew the actual basics of how to write a song. So we get in the studio. The guy says, I got to track up L.A. Reed. L.A. Reed has already purchased this song that he's not heard yet. So I want you to write it. Right. He says, you got 20 minutes, man. I'll come back. You'll be able to get it. I'm like 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> he leaves the room and then I'm not gonna lie I just dropped to my knees and like oh god I need your help right now I need your help <laughs> he comes back in the room I wrote the song he says I love it <sighs> we demo the song that day the next day, we go to LaFace Records, where Usher signed, TLC is signed, Outkast is signed. We go there, and we play the song. I'll never forget this. L.A. Reid is sitting in his chair, and he's spinning around in his chair, saying, I love the song. I'm going to put this song on my new girl group called Choice. I can't believe it. My first song that I wrote gets placed on a big artist signed to a record label, right? Next thing you know, Two, three months down the road, I'm excited. The song is going to come out. The girl groups gets dropped from the label. Another no. But there's a silver lining 
the lead singer of that group, her name was Elisha, not Alicia, but Elisha. And she dyed her hair pink. <laughs> and she changed her name to Pink. And I wish I could say my song went on Pink's album. It didn't. But the relationship still the, stood. The, yeah. But what ended up happening was word got out that there was a guy that could write songs. And the second song that I wrote sold a million copies on a girl group called Escape that was signed to Sony. For no all you way. Real Housewives lovers out there, Candy from the Real Housewives of Atlanta, it was on her, it was on her group, sold a million copies. I wish I could say the next two years were easy for me. They weren't necessarily easy because the because once I wrote that one song, the big deals didn't come after that. And I also wanted to see, okay, how I wouldn't need, I need to figure out how I did what I did. So I went into training and I was writing other songs. They didn't do it. So I had to basically live off the royalties for that one song for a couple of years, $33,000 split it, you know, split in half for each year, each year, 17, five. I had like four roommates trying to make it work. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Right. And then what, and then what ends up happening is I end my, a song that I had wrote three years prior ended up on somebody's desk that had been sitting there and the neck, that next song I wrote. So 10 million copies and the rest is history. You know, the, your, I just, I don't even know where to start, I th but I want to actually talk about this because I think we all assume once we've made it, right? Once that million copies yes. are sold, we've made it. Everyone is going right. to want us. That's it. The work's over. The hustle is done. I'm in. Right. And it's really not like that. No, no, <laughs> no. I was still changing diapers at the daycare. <laughs> and living off $33,000 when you sold a million albums of a song that you wrote. It's, it's incredible exactly. how we look at someone, even I, I am guilty of it. I mean, I've been in this industry, like I said, for 30 years. I still look at yeah. people like yourself and I still look at your success and I still measure myself on your success. And I think we yes. do it, right? Humans do it, whether you're in this industry or not. If you're looking at... right friends, your circle, you're always measuring yourself on that. And you forget that everyone else has hustled as hard as you have. Yes. It's yes. Where they were. And they've had as many and more doors closed, no's, um, opportunities yes. like B Bobby Brown telling you to come and record. And yes. you know, you know, I knew that that was going to happen. I'm listening to this story and I'm, but I'm jaded at this age. I'm yep. jaded. As all hell. And I'm like, mm, mm, nice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh -huh. yep. It's, just, yep. And I, it's it's beautiful how sorry, how life puts you backwards to teach yes. who you're going to be when that opportunity does happen. When those ten Absolutely. million, hundred million, billion streams happen. Exactly. And I think that it's important because just from the business side that people can understand is that my song was not a single. So my song was not being played on the radio. So I wasn't able to get the airplay 
royalties and those things. Basically, my song was on it was on an album. So just so you guys can kind of know, people out there, um, ninety nine cents is 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 how much a, a an actual song costs, right? That's the worth of a song. So in that ninety nine cents, the songwriter's portion, the songwriting portion of the song is eleven cents. So depending on how many songwriters you have on the song, you're gonna have to split that eleven cents accordingly. So I re- basically had about three point three cents. So if it sells a million copies and it only is going to be able to be a royalty will only come from the sale and not the actual song being played on the radio. I only had 33,000. Now, if I would have wrote the whole song, it would have been a hundred thousand. And then of course it would have sold 2 million, 200,000, you know, but that's all I had. And so I had to even learn that aspect of it. But you know, I, I think that it's since we're talking about this, I think it's so important because I've been sharing another portion of my story. So what ends up happening is, is that the 10 million records happens. And guess what? Life becomes really good, really fast, really good, really fast. The Luther Vandross is happening. My parents are now on board that everyone's loving everything. And then 2008 hits. I'm right around 30 million records sold. I'm doing well, got the cars, got the houses, all at nine. And guess what? 2008 in America hits, which which the uh, housing crash and also LimeWire and Napster. People were figuring out how to get music for free. But at the same time, people's homes were feeling the squeeze. So they weren't buying albums because they were like, do I want to buy an album or do I want to put bread on the table? table? Especially when we could get the music for free. So one day I wake up, I get a che- I get a check in the mail because I didn't like direct deposit. I like to see, I wanted to see it, you Touch know? Ma- yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the check comes in the mail <laughs> and I looked at it. It was a Friday and I said, hmm, I think there's like a comma missing. I was like, you know, it's okay. Let me just go ahead and I'll wait till Monday and I'll call the label. Call the label and they said to me, Nate, we're getting so many calls like this this morning. That's your actual check because stream because downloading and the recession has affected record sales. At that moment, Danny, I was broke. My overhead yeah. was higher than what had just come in. And I wasn't the best at money finances yet. I learned. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And what ended up happening was you now had a multi platinum producer with plaques on the wall who couldn't pay his electric bill. Mm -hmm. So at first I was floating all the bills, but 2000, by the time a year and a half came through and you had run through the savings, you had run through everything like that. Nothing. I started working, parking cars as a valet. What? Multi-platinum producer. Yep. And then I will never forget this because I had shown kindness to someone in 2002. That person rose up the ranks to become the senior vice president 
of Simon Cow's record label. And at the time, that label was working closely with the X Factor. And the issue with a lot of those reality TV shows was that the TV producers, they could pick great artists for TV. Mm. But once those artists would win, those artists could never translate to sell records. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. what they ended up doing is X Factor had a, had an idea of how about we create casting directors from actual music people. And they gave me an opportunity. And they were like, here we go. Nate, have you ever been a casting director before? You remember this? And I said, well, and my mom's like, yeah, I judge people all the time. <laughs> Right. Love your and, mother. I love your mother. <laughs> right. And then all of a sudden, he gave me the opportunity to be when I was down on my luck. Nobody knew. Nobody knew how bad it was for me. Got the opportunity and I became the number one casting producer for X Factor and found one of the members of Fifth Harmony. What? Isn't it amazing how every time you lose the vision and you lose the true meaning of why you do what you do? Yes. God, yes. universe, or whoever it is. Will yes. Humble you, you can say it. So hard. So hard. Yes. And you're going yes, to so hard. And again, and again, and, I, and again. Now, now, the crazy thing about what I didn't share with you guys, everything would have been okay for me but I ended up getting my royalties were placed in a lawsuit in 2008. So I had no money coming in. That was the reason why I had to get a job. So oh, wow. I would have been able to work it out if I had something coming in, yeah. but I had nothing coming in from 2008 to 2014. What? You so <laughs> right. So I started building. And so X Factor led to America's Got Talent because Simon Cowell owned that too. And then that led to one. But then right around 2013, the industry started opening back up. And then my royalties were released and I got all of my back royalties at once. Uh, okay. See, because you were behaving, yeah. you were you were back on the track. You were I was behaving. behaving. <laughs> <laughs> I, got them. I got them all back at once. With a new skill, mm. with a new skill, new relationships, mm. as we talked about, and new perspective. And now I just was on this journey to making sure that people first. Yeah. That will make sure I take care of people first. And I, you know, I just don't think people understand that. Like, I think people need to tell their stories and of like, it's just isn't all glossy all the time, all the time, but I made it through. It can never be all glossy all the time because I think the down moments, the pauses in between the greatness are what makes us. Yes. us. And those are the moments where it's exciting and it's scary and it's new and it's, you're nervous. And those moments are what make us human because yes. we remember what we feel. But Nate, I, you know what? Your story is insane and incredible and beautiful and heartbreaking and frustrating and I'm getting angry and I want to tell these people off but I think I want to maybe just end off with 
you know, we, we, we started with relationship and we were kind yes. of leaning back into relationship. And I think my biggest, my biggest message for anyone who wants to be anything in whatever field it is, has always been, you have to be kind because when I you started do. in this industry, when I did my first TV show, one of the people that were a cameraman have now gone on and are a massive success in this industry. They own yeah. a production mm-hmm. company. They're producing um, the big shows in South Africa at the moment. And yes. we've kept in touch because of the kindness that I showed as the talent yes. and, and at that yep. space. And I think perhaps I'd like you to talk into creating those relationships and being that human being wherever it is, whether it's in nursing or medicine or this industry, modeling, whatever, um, and how those could go on to affect or affect your future. Exactly. Uh, I, I think that it's what we all have at some point in our life, we've all heard, do unto others how you, treat others how you want to be treated. We, we, at some place in our life, we have heard that. And a lot of times we need to put that in practice, regardless of what we think we can get from that person. Mm. Because I'm going to tell you something right now. The true character for me of when I'm looking at something is how somebody treats someone when they don't need anything from them. Like, how do we treat people? when we don't need anything from them. And I, what I've realized is that everyone has gone through a process to get to where they are. Yeah. Everyone, everyone's gone through a process, something. So I respect the journey that that person has gone through. Cause you never know what someone's gone through that made them the way they are. And here we go. This is someone that treats people badly or someone that treats someone kind. Because a lot of people sometimes just don't wake up treating others bad. There was a process that got them to that. Yeah. And so I realized, despite of how others may respond to issues and problems, that I'm going to not, again, let my emotions dictate, let somebody else's emotions dictate my integrity. So I'm going to treat people with the inherent value of who they are and who they were born to be because everyone has a destiny. Mm. Everyone has a blueprint. And even though some people may have felt like they weren't able to achieve those, they still does. They still need the respect to be seen, to be loved and to be heard. And so I've just made it a point no matter who it is, whether it's the man at the garage with the gas, I'm going to ask him how his day is. I'm going to say, hey, man, how are you doing? What's your name? What's your name? How many people have looked at those guys just throwing the money at them? Yeah. No, these guys are living. They desire to be loved and heard. Yeah. And who knows something that you may say to them that day. They may, they may have prayed a prayer that morning saying, God, I need something or I'm going to end it. And you may be the vehicle Mm. for them to press on to the next day. 
And what happens is when we are doing these things in the unseen, right? When we are doing these things in the unseen, because I like to say this, you know, seeds, they grow, they grow in the unseen territory. Yeah. Roots, your root system, your integrity. See, integrity is character is doing the right thing when nobody's looking. So when you actually put a seed in the ground, those before you can see a fruit, the roots are going deep. They're going deep. How you treat people, you're developing your root system. How you are um, doing these things, you're developing a root system that is grounded. Because you don't never want to wait till you get to the place where you made it to try to treat people right. That doesn't happen. You treat people right now when it's unseen. So when you're when you when the tree grows up and it blossoms into this beautiful image of what you were born to be, it's be, you're going to have a strong system based upon the roots that were growing when nobody could see. When you were being kind to the cameraman, nobody could see it. Mm. When I was being kind to the guy that ended up helping me, when nobody could see it, it's actually treating people right when you don't need anything from them. Mm. And you know what happens? It's sometimes those people that will remember you and open up the door for you. And if not, it will be somebody else that will show kindness to you when you need it the most. Oh, Nate Butler, I could speak to you forever, but I have another Zoom. Um, I have loved, loved speaking to you. I want yeah. to speak to you again. You are coming back to South Africa in August. And I, think I am you- Danny, but you know what, Danny, but the great thing about it is we have WhatsApp. I'm going to be hitting you all the time. Like, <laughs> Danny, what you doing? Done, <laughs> done. Listen, I'm really good at WhatsApp, WhatsApp calls and wine. So like any time. Yes. And, and I work across time zones. So like any time is good. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful. Like I, I feel so, I feel so warm and just, I just feel good right now because um, just being able to, to be honest and truthful. And I think that we touch people's lives by the truthful moments in our lives. Authenticity. You know, so I'm thankful. Please travel safely and come back soon. Yes. And um, we'll chat again. Remember, you can catch the full video on xotv.me and you can meet us in kind of real life. Thanks to DJ Chuck for the music. You can catch him at www.chucksprosound.co.za. New episodes on Jackpod and XOTV every Monday. Love you.